This episode is brought to you by Graybar. Graybar is a trusted and leading North American distributor of electrical, communications, data networking, and industrial products that supports projects of any industry, construction, hospitals, industrial plants, schooling, and more. Yep, Graybar does that. Graybar operates with one clear mission, to serve as the vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. But here's what makes them different from the competition. Being able to effectively navigate supply chains to get products on-site and on-time is crucial these days. And Graybar's nationwide logistics network, with over 290 locations across the country, assists owners and professionals build and maintain the operations in their electrical, communications, and industrial world by providing them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. Yep, Graybar does that. To view more information on their services, head to graybar.com. That's G-R-A-Y-B-A-R.com. Yep, Graybar does that. This episode is brought to you by Modern Mammals at modernmammals.com, where you get 10% off when you use the code GOLFSMARTER. Now, if you were to ask me what my greatest asset was, you may be surprised that I wouldn't take more than a blink of an eye to tell you that it was my hair. Every barber I've had in my life raves about my hair. And even today, I get jealous comments because I still have a full head of healthy hair. Well, that's why I'm so happy that we have Modern Mammals showing their support for the Golf Smarter community. Modern Mammals' goal is to keep your hair and head natural. That means they don't distort your pH balance and natural oils like normal shampoos would. And unlike shampoos, the products from modern mammals don't have harsh detergents that suds up and dry out your hair and head. And unlike conditioners, they don't leave your hair limp and frizzy. Instead, they lightly clean your hair and scalp, cleansing hair while protecting its strength and texture. And their products are designed to make your hair feel thicker. So go to ModernMammals.com and use the code GOLFSMARTER. That's one word, GOLFSMARTER, for 10% off. That's ModernMammals.com. And use that GOLFSMARTER checkout code for 10% so they know that we sent you. And there's a link in our show notes to go directly to the GOLFSMARTER landing page. ModernMammals.com. And the problem basically lies with golfers who manage their golf swing by trying to manage actions. That does not work. Golfers have to manage the interactions that occur in the components of the swing. What matters most in the golf swing, Fred, are not the components taken separately, it's the interactions, it's the product of these interactions. And these interactions actually occur some are visual, some are not. Some are hidden forces and pressures that exist within the body. So swing is very relative to the golfer himself. But golfers, the most important takeaway from this interview is that golfers need to focus not on actions, but on interactions. Golf Smarter number 782. The Science of Rethinking, Relearning, and Revamping Your Golf Swing with Dr. James Raganay. This is Golf Smarter. 
sharing stories, tips, and insights from great golf minds to help you lower your score and raise your golf IQ. Here's your host, Fred Green. Welcome back to the Golf Smarter Podcast, James. Thank you, Fred. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, it's my pleasure. Um, I'm fascinated to talk about your new book, Your Inner Golf Guru, Developing the Golf Instructor Within. But I want to remind uh, the Golf Smarter community that you've been on the podcast before many, many years ago to the fact that it was actually episode 85. So it has returned um, to Golf Smarter Mulligans as episode 30. Uh, and in the, your first book was called Golf's Three Noble Truths. Let's do a quick recap of that book before we get deep into this one. Okay. The subtitle of Three Noble Truths was The Fine Art of Playing Wake. Uh, the word bud in Sanskrit means to wake up. So the gist of that entire book was for golfers to pay attention to wake up. And the Three Noble Truths in traditional Buddhist theology, there were four noble truths. So... I won't, which I won't go into, but this book has identified three noble truths which apply to golfers. One is balance, second is unity, and the third is awareness. Awareness is really the core of what that book is all about. If you don't pay attention to what you're doing, uh, you can never resolve your, your diet, your finances, or anything else. The only thing that you can change are the things you're aware of. So that book is all about nourishing one's awareness. It was adopted by um, coaches who worked with uh, Mickelson, uh, Justin Rose, um, DJ Trahan, and uh, Steve Elkington. So mm. it, it made some noise. But it's, this is a very different book. Um, this is not a philosophical, spiritual uh, approach. This is a, is a hardcore scientific approach. And it deals with how golfers can rethink, relearn, and revamp their swing based on, well, basically two, it's like a dumbbell approach or barbell approach. Right? On one end of the bar, you have cognitive neuroscience. And the other end of the bar, you have systems thinking. The main one, I think, is systems thinking. Cognitive neuroscience, when we talk about that, will help one uh, learn things more effectively, how the brain and the muscles and the mind interact, the integration of mind, muscle, and, and brain. Uh, but systems theory is really... Um, uh, probably the most important aspect of this book. It's the part of golf instruction that is uh, missing. Uh, and I, oh boy, do I have many places to go with this. So I just find it interesting that, that you call the book your inner golf guru, but you say it's pure science. You are a PhD. So what is your specialty? My specialty is rhetoric and communication, but my doctoral work was in the uh, theoretical frameworks of great scientific thinkers, how they made their breakthroughs. Their iconoclastic, different viewpoints that led them to remarkable discoveries. And I talk, I talk about 
I wrote about Einstein, Mendeleev, who developed the um, uh, table of elements. I talked about Copernicus, Newton, and many others. So I was interested from a scientific standpoint at Rensselaer Polytech on how scientists thought. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> well, what does that have to do with golf? <laughs> I did sneeze, but I was off microphone. So thank you for that. Well, uh, well so why are you tying this into golf? Um, well, because golfers need to pay attention to a new mode of thinking. It's a new mode of thinking that originated with science. When Newton published his uh, Laws of Motion in 1687, uh, since that time, um, many things have changed. However, people have not changed their thinking relative to subsequent discoveries. And in maybe the mid-90s, right, there was an article in the New York Times, a startling article, which talked about a change of age thinking, an intellectual shift that was occurring that uh, basically revolutionized everything, an intellectual shift, a paradigm shift in thinking had not happened since the Renaissance. So this is like a major, major shift. And this new thinking is applicable to golfers. If golfers hope to improve, they won't advance far beyond where they already are unless they change their mode of thinking. And that's what I wish to talk about, spend some time talking about. And that's uh, systems theory, primarily. To put it another way, Fred, what this article in New York Times suggested, it was a wake-up call. It, it reminded me that things have gotten far more complex than they have ever been before. And in order to make thought consonant with complexity, you have to change your thinking. Old ways, traditional ways, Newtonian ways of thinking, linear thinking, reductionistic thinking, doesn't work. It doesn't work when applied to a golf swing because a golf swing is a very complex motion. It's complex, Fred, because First of all, it's compressed into 1.4 seconds. That makes it highly difficult to fathom. It also involves 600 muscles, 360 joints, and 206 bones. So every part of your body holistically is going on when you swing a club. Swing a club is an exercise in chaos control. That's why golfers swing with such trepidation. We're not sure mm. what's going to happen. In Homer Kelly's book, um, The Golfing Machine, which has gotten both rave reviews and harsh criticism, a mathematician did a uh, calculation on what Homer Kelly posited in his book. Homer Kelly said that there were 24 components. He originally had, I think, identified 13, 14. He then advanced it to 24. And he said each of those 24 components has between 13 and 15 variations. Mathematician did the calculation and said 
the variations in the golf swing based on Homer Kelly's calculations means that there are 486 quadrillion variations for the golf swing. So oh, no. um, to deal with the complexity of the golf swing, golfers must definitely change their thinking. And the problem basically lies with golfers who, who manage their golf swing by um, trying to manage actions. That does not work. Golfers have to manage the interactions that occur in the components of the swing. What matters most in the golf swing, Fred, are not the components taken separately. It's the interactions, it's the product, not the sum, it's the product of these interactions, multiple interactions. And these interactions actually occur, uh, some are visual, some are not, some are hidden forces and pressures that exist within the body. So swing is very relative, it's rel relative to the golfer himself, herself. Um, so it's not what I'm suggesting here, what golfers, the most important takeaway from this interview is that golfers need to focus on actions, but not on actions, but on interactions. And we're going to get deeper into this. I, I'm finding it so fascinating, and the book hooked me from the preface. And uh, so we're going to talk more about that. Uh, the book is called Your Inner Golf Guru, Developing the Golf Instructor Within with Dr. James Raganay, and we will be back right after this. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Fred, you asked before about guru, a strange title for a book based on science. You're entirely correct. But most, there are many books in with guru in the title. So I don't want my book to be confused with the others. Other books um, extol themselves as the guru, the person who per pervades truth and facilitates the improvement of others. That's not my approach. My approach is pupil-centered, learning-centered. It's, it's based on the golfer destroying his own darkness and ignorance. Guru in Sanskrit is broken down in two words, gu, g-u, and ru. Ru means destroy, like in ruin, and gu means darkness. So my book is about destroying your own 
darkness. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. A lot of the book that I was, what I was getting is that there's a systemic approach to golf instruction and an analytic approach, or, or not even instruction, to the golf swing, a systemic approach and an analytic approach to the golf swing. Um, based on what I understood in the book, and it was, I don't want to say it's a uh, academic book, but it is scientific. But what I was getting out of this is that recently I've been uh, having my own personal struggles on the golf course, and I think it's because I'm trying to break down too many elements. I think I'm being too analytical. At least your eyes are opening. My eyes are opening to this based on what I'm reading from your book is taking the holistic or systematic approach to the entire effort of hitting a golf ball versus picking on your wrist here and your left knee there. And am I, am I missing the point or am I getting there? You're, you're right on target. Um, Einstein famously wrote that you can't solve a problem using the same mode of thinking that you used when you created the problem. And what's happening is golfers are using analytical thinking, linear thinking, means going from A to B. Einstein also wrote, logic will take you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. So mm. golfers, uh, in order to improve, have to first understand what a system is. A system is an indivisible whole. It's a whole consisting of two or more component parts that affect the outcome and the, and the properties of the system itself. The human body is a system, a car is a system, the golf swing is a system. Once you take a system apart, let's say you take, if you take, if you look at a cow, as a simple animal, and you cut it up, you have different chunks of meat. But if you look at the cow as a milk-producing system, you can't cut it up. Because if you cut it up, the parts of the cow will no longer function. When you analyze the system, not only does the system lose its properties, but so do all of its component parts. It's a self-defeating process. The analysis, the difference between analysis and, and synthesis or systems thinking is very important. In the first step in analysis, you take something and you break it apart. Like if you handed a kid, not an infant, but an eight-year-old kid fire truck, what he's going to do, he's going to take the little fireman out. It's going to take the hat off the fireman. He's going to take the hoses, the reels the axis, and what is going to take it apart, and it's going to put it back together again. That's the first step in synthesis. The second step, so the first step in analysis, the second step in analysis, Fred, is you look at what each of those things, the function of each of those things taken separately. If you look at a fire truck, you look at what the axe does, you look at what the fire truck does, you look at what the reels do and the hose do. And the third step in analysis, you take all the things that you took apart from the fire truck and you put it back together again. Synthesis or synthetic thinking or systems theory, it's very different. Systems theory works this way. The first step in systems theory, Fred, is 
You don't go down, you go up. For example, with a fire truck, for example. What, what is a fire truck? The first step in synthesis, you look at the containing system that the fire truck is contained in. Well, it's a vehicle for putting out fires, or it's part of the transportation system. A college is part of the education system. A golf swing is part of a dynamic athletic motion. So you go up, you find out what the swing is a part of, a subsystem of, and you go up to it. The second step in synthesis is you look at what are the key properties of that containing system. What are, what are the main properties of a dynamic athletic motion that uh, lasts for 1.4 seconds? It's a complex muscular motor activity. Second step. The third step in synthesis, you take a look at the parts backswing, downswing, pivot, and so on. And you apply the properties of the containing system and you see how they fit in. That may seem complex. Let me illustrate it. If you look at the pivot, for example, the pivot is, Mo Norman and others said the pivot is extremely important. Maybe one of the most important things. And if you look at the pivot and you just look at it separately and not how it's integrated, holistic and part of the interconnected part of the swing, you'll miss it. I don't know if you've seen Trump swing a golf club. His hips move and he rotates his body and his pivot is all wrong because his head moves off the ball. If you move off the ball, you have to bring your head back to the ball and you only have 0.4 seconds in your backswing and you're downswing to do that. It's not enough time. I'm talking about timing here. Mm -hmm. So the, in, in a system, in an athletic system, there's a recent article I read by a guy named Daniel Lieberman. He's an evolutionary biologist at uh, Harvard. And he analyzed, quite curiously, because he's a marathon runner, he analyzed the stability of the head when one runs. How does the head stay still? not walking, but running, when your arms are swinging back and forth. How does the head remain stabilized? And he said, cursorial species to animals that run, namely deer and dogs, humans and others, horses, they have a thing, an anatomical ligament in the back of their neck. It's called a social ligament, nuchal, N-U-C-H-A, nuchal ligament. And what it does, it attaches the back of your skull to your C7 vertebrae, so your head stays still. So if you're a zebra or a marathon runner, you can stay still. Golfers have to, golfers also have this nuchal ligament. And what I'm trying to say is, if you want to understand the golf swing, you have to go outside the containing system in order to understand it. The answers are not lying within. So if you want to keep your head still, you have to change your pivot because you have this special ligament strapped to your back of your neck that attaches you that keeps your head stable. And that's what you need to do. You have to swing. Your head stays still and you swing 
your head is like a bell. There's a headstock, and you just swing your coccyx back and forth like a bell. A bell has shoulders, has a waist, has a rim. So you keep your head still, and you slide back and forth. The only way you can do, you can swing a club, and this is what um, my gosh is called a compound pivot. It's not the only way to swing, but it's the most logical, unified, systemic way to swing a golf club by keeping your head still. So you you move your body, your waist, your dirt, you rock your shoulders. When you, when you see a bell being rung, Fred, the bell doesn't rotate the way your hips do in a golf swing. Your waist and your pelvis, they don't rotate. They tilt back and forth. And that's the way the golf swing has to work. It's systemic. Fascinating. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. I have more questions about that. We'll be right back. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So James, I'm a little lost in the fact that we're talking about keeping your head still as uh, an analytical part, as an element of the golf swing. Or is that no, no. Is, is that like holding the whole... Yes, indeed. It's packaged it's, together. It, nothing, nothing works in a system, Fred. No component exists in isolation. Right. The property of a system is all parts have no part in a system has an independent, isolated, and separate role. Mm -hmm. They're interrelated. So the head, this nuchal ligament, is attached to your spine, your spine is attached to your hips and your knees and your ankles, all of it play a part. So the pivot is a unified, holistic movement. It's part of a systemic golf swing. You can't just look, what I'm saying, you can't just look at the pivot and separate it from the golf swing. In no system can you take a system apart. If you take a system apart, it loses its essential properties. Let's do a mind experiment, for example. Let's okay. imagine, I, I read in, uh, again, in New York Times, not too long ago, there are 451 different types of automobiles, makes and models. Let's do this experiment, like Galileo, a mind experiment. Let's imagine that you bring all of these 457 automobiles, makes and models, into a gigantic hangar. And then you hire 250 of the best automotive engineers, mechanical engineers. 
and you hand them a clipboard and you say, I want you gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to look at all these vehicles, all 457, and identify which one has the best engine, which one has the best brakes, which one has the best windshield wipers, which has the best hubcaps, lug nuts, fuel pump, upholstery. And after you determine that, I want you to take all of those parts, remove them from those selected automobiles, line them up, the best of all those vehicles. And I want you to then take those elements and I want you to put them back together and form the best vehicle possible. You know what happened? They came up with a Tesla. No, no. You don't have a <laughs> No, I have an automobile. You know why? Because the parts don't fit. Oh, fuel pump standardized. You, you can't take you can't take a Rolls Royce fuel pump and put it in your monkey shit brown Hyundai and expect it to work. Hey, hey, leave my Hyundai out of this. <laughs> That's what golfers are doing. Your golf swing is relative to you. It's a fingerprint. Or it's like your signature. When when Einstein famously said that things are relative, he's talking about he's talking about the um, movement of time in space. And he said your sense of time is a function of the speed at which you're traveling. Without getting too complicated here, golf is also relative to each individual. It's relative. In other words, a golf swing is relative. You just can't pick up a book, uh, Hogan's Five uh, Modern Principles, and expect it to work because you're not Hogan. You don't have his sensibilities. You don't have his reflexes. You don't have his coordination. You don't have a central nervous system. You don't have his body. He had very strong hands. Ted Williams said he had the strongest hands of anyone he's ever shaken hands with. Wow. From Ted Williams, no less. So. Hogan was uh, unique, and to pattern yourself on Hogan is ridiculous. If you if you wanted to go for a, um, if you needed a, or someone you know needed needed a uh, kidney, you just couldn't go out and find the healthiest person in your neighborhood who had the best kidney you could find because that kidney may not fit, may not connect. With the person who needs it. And the same too with golf. Your swing is relativistic. It's relativistic to a lot of things. It's also relativistic, which brings us to discussion of your learn to your learning habits. If you have impoverished learning habits, if you can't, if you can't concentrate, if you have a mental bandwidth to understand to, to this book will require some self-study, but I think it'll be worth it. But things don't happen all by themselves. You have to apply yourself. And so things are relative to many, many variables. And one of those variables is your learning habits, your thinking habits, especially your thinking habits. Because most golfers are walking around um, convinced they got it all on one sock. They don't know that they don't know. They, they know enough to maybe get by, 
but they don't know enough to know that they're wrong. One, one of my heroes is um, a guy named Richard Feynman. He was instrumental, Cal uh, Poly engineer, and he came to the forefront in the news when he looked at the Challenger explosion. And he looked at the, the systemic structure of the Challenger and exploded on the launch pad. And it's an oddity, but what he said was the reason the Challenger exploded, he said it's a function of systems thinking, the rubber gaskets that held the booster rockets together froze overnight. The temperatures in, in uh, Cape Kennedy dropped to, I think, below 25 degrees. And they, these hardened rubber gaskets snapped. And he said that that explains why that thing or that um, Challenger exploded. But what I'm getting to with Feynman, Feynman said, Feynman's whole theory about science was he went about science not to certify and confirm what already knew. That's the opposite. Feynman went about his business by trying to prove that what he knew was wrong. He was, wow. he took doubt. He, he exercised and nourished doubt. Certainty will get you only so far. Doubt will take you a long way down the road. <laughs> doubt, doubt is what will take you down Sesame Street farther than you can ever imagine it can go. Because once you're certain, things end. You can't be certain. Mm. You should always be discovering. Your brain should be like a hobby and say, okay, what can I prove? When I played golf, I played golf every day for many, many years. And I'd go out and I'd shoot like a mid-70s. Then I'd go out the next day and I'd shoot a mid-80s. And my friends would say, what happened? And I said, nothing happened. I just didn't golf. like what happened. No, I just changed stuff. I wanted to mm. find out. I figured, okay, that's 73 or whatever based on luck. And I bounced off a tree. I landed within three feet of the green, and I got a birdie. That should never have happened. So I said, well, I did something wrong. I need to fix it. But golfers who are complacent and don't think about thinking um, will continue to make the same recurring mistakes. And I think what I've learned the most in this book, the research I've done in this book, uh, deals with the interactions of all the components in the swing. And what I used to do, actually, Fred, when I looked at swing, I tried everything. I looked at Jim McLean's the eight-step swing, the square-to-square -square swing by Altman. I looked at the Mo Norman's natural swing. I looked at Hogan's swing. I looked at man's model swing. I looked at... Um, Ian Byron, I looked at his swing, even though he was on one stanchion, one leg. Um, and I tried all of them, natural monormous mo, mo swing. And I realized one thing after a decade of frustration. I felt like I was carrying um, Rosie O'Connell on my back after she just finished competing in a pie eating contest. I just felt so burdened that I couldn't get to the bottom of it, particularly I was playing competitively. It, it was such a burden. And I realized that finally 
which gave Genesis his book. It's not any one of these things that has a specific flaw. It's not it. All of these approaches, every single one of them has the same common flaw. Golfers who invoke analytical, linear, reductionistic thinking are not looking at the swing holistically. You can't take it apart. It's a unified, dynamic, singular 1.4 second motion. And it has to be true that way. Uh, we need to we need to break that down, and we will now. I, I mentioned earlier um, that we brought your first episode back on uh, golf smarter mulligans uh, to episode thirty. So if you want to hear about golf, three noble truths, please check that out. But this is what's coming up this week on golf smarter mulligans. Starting this week on golf smarter mulligans, and continuing over the next nine episodes we're going to be replaying some of our many conversations with Tony Manzoni. Tony was a great friend of the podcast and an amazing golf instructor who passed away in 2018. We first met him in 2009, and in the dozen or so times he was on the podcast, emails flooded in with more positive feedback and success stories than any other teacher featured. So unless you're new to Golf Smarter or didn't play on the record-breaking Southern California College of the Desert golf team anytime between 1994 and 2017, you've probably never heard of Tony because we were one of the few media outlets to pay attention to him. The Orange County Register called Tony a living legend based on his coaching successes. We replayed some of these episodes last year, and I still get emails today reporting on how well you connected and improved using Tony's teaching methods. Tony's book, The Lost Fundamental, One Simple Move, Better Golf Forever, which was out of print when he passed away, is once again available on Amazon, including a Kindle format. Tony's video of the same name was also out of circulation, but can now be seen online. If you'd like to gain access, please write to me at golfsmarterpodcast at gmail.com, or of course, click on the Hey Fred button at golfsmarter.com. Lastly, after he passed, we created a Tony Manzoni Memorial Golf Smarter Fund to benefit the first tee of Coachella Valley. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Find out more at golfsmarter.com slash Tony. Here's a sample of what you're going to hear in the first of nine episodes. In this one, he talks about the lost letters of Ben Hogan that he found. I had a fellow walk in my office and tell me, would you like a copy of a letter that Ben Hogan wrote explaining how to hit the driver? He had some private film that he had taken and no one had actually seen a Ben Hogan swing. And I almost jumped in his lap. The first thing I noticed was that Hogan, on the top of the back swing, his weight shifts to the instep of his left foot. And when I read it, I thought, well, I think he means the instep of his right foot. And then I watched the film, and it was very obvious that he was staying on his left side 60-40 throughout the backswing. And I think when you really center your head to the golf ball, you must be a little bit more on the left side than the right side. I noticed that his right hip was aligned on the inside of his right foot. And I just noticed that when he swung, he rotated his shoulders around his spine, and his shoulders really were more level than his earlier swings. And the film that I had was after the accident. And that's really when he said, I'm going to start playing off the left side. 
That's episode 98 of Golf Smarter Mulligans featuring our first entry to Spring Forward with Manzoni. Nine consecutive episodes with the most popular teacher ever featured on our podcast, Tony Manzoni. Both Golf Smarter and Golf Smarter Mulligans are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to both. And when you do, you'll be notified immediately when a brand new episode of either has downloaded to your favorite listening device. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. James, this seems to be somewhat of a radical approach to golf instruction because when you take lessons from a PGA professional or not, um, if, it, meaning if you take lessons from someone who's not a PGA professional, they're going to work on the nuances. They're going to work on all the separate parts. They're even going to send you video of different golfers. It's like, you should do this with your backswing and you should do this on your follow through and all these different elements, and you're saying that's not really helping. I'm saying Correct? I'm saying two things at once. I'm saying you need to merge analytical thinking. You have to look at the parts. But when you have you have a uh, lesson with a pro, you want to say, okay, what is my right elbow doing in the golf swing? But you don't ask him to solve your problem by fixing your right elbow. You need to ask him. How is my right elbow connected to everything else in my holistic swing that's making this glitch happen? When you have a system, Fred, there are two kinds of systems, linear and complex. Linear system is fairly easy to fix. It's like a conveyor belt in a cookie factory. Cookies roll along, the belt comes off, and you see immediately we got to put the belt back on the rollers and get those cookies moving. But not all systems are linear or simple. Many are complex. Golf swing is complex. Golf swing is more like a nuclear reactor on a submarine. And it is like a conveyor belt in a cookie factory. Here's why. Because the golf swing as a system is referred to as a tightly coupled system. In other words, the things that are connected are connected so intricately that one glitch, one small error in a system will disable it. That's what makes golf so difficult. So if you if you have a golf swing, a complicated golf swing with all these different components of accumulators and pressure points, everything else that Homer Kelly talks about. Um, all it takes in a golf swing. That's how, my, that's how my scores were variable for so many years. I would change one thing and it changed everything. Mm -hmm. if, if you change one thing in your anatomy, your diet, if you change like one small thing in your, uh, in your diet, for example, 
one small organ in your body works incorrectly, an adrenal gland or a kidney or something, because the kidneys don't exist in isolation, nor does the adrenal gland, everything is dependent on everything else. That's the nature of the system. The golf swing, everything is dependent on everything else. No part of the golf swing exists in isolation. So when you go for you go for a lesson from a pro, you don't say fix my problem. That's not what I would ask. And most of the lessons I've seen, I've been given lessons. I'm on the practice tee, and the golfer, the golf pro, would come out and he would tell the same thing to four or five different pupils throughout the afternoon. They all had the same problem, but problem. It's not possible. Not problem. The problem he had was his analytical mode of thinking was flawed, severely flawed. Basically, Fred, your mode of thinking is predicated on a set of assumptions. That's what forms your universe, those assumptions. And most people assume that if you look at the cause, you'll directly see the effect, that cause and effect are related. But in, compl in, in complexity theory, that's not true. Cause and effect go out the window. Here are a couple of examples. NASA built a shed to build its rockets. It's 3.6 million square feet. It covers eight acres. It's high, and it's long, and wide. Why did they build it? They built it because they wanted to protect these rockets during assembly and during launch from the weather. You know what happened? It got worse. The weather pattern in that area in Florida, at Cape Kennedy, was so affected by this massive structure they designed to keep, to shield these rockets, that it brought more precipitation into the area than it had otherwise. Hmm. Another example is New York City, maybe 15 years ago, had a, um, they had a notion that they wanted to have rent control so that people below the poverty line, or at the poverty line, could have sufficient housing. You know what happened? It made the shortage worse. Why? Because developers did not want to create properties that low-salaried people would occupy and destroy, so they backed off. They had rent control, but they didn't have the properties of development to sustain it. Another good example is the hospital. 20% of the people who go to a hospital, they had something fixed, wind up more seriously ill or dead. You'd think going to the hospital is the cause and the effect would follow, but it doesn't. Complexity theory tells us that cause and effect are no longer linear. There was a um, psychologist, turn of century, 1898. His name was um, Edgar Arthur Smith. He was a colleague of William um, James, who was the father of psychology. And this man, 
um, remarkably came up with a new way of looking at the world. He's not saying that cause and effect relationships don't exist in golf or anything else, but he says a new way of looking at it. He said, another way to look at a system is to look at producer and product. And he used the example of an acorn. If someone asks you, does an acorn, will an acorn produce an oak tree? What would you say? Yes. Okay. Not necessarily. If you take an acorn <laughs> and you plant it in, in, in a snowbank, it's not going to grow. If you toss it into the sea, it's not going to grow. So what Smith said, Edgar Arthur Smith, he said, you have to look at it as an acorn, he said, is necessary, is necessary to grow an oak tree, but it's not sufficient. Uh, to grow an oak tree, you need moisture, you need sunlight, you need a soil that's nutrient rich, and you'll have an oak tree. If you dug up an oak tree and found an acorn, um, that acorn was a function of a system that included many variables, sunlight, moisture, and pardon me, soil nutrients. I'm curious, James, how um, has, and I'm not saying the collective PGA, but PGA, PGA professionals, teaching professionals, how you know this is kind of going against their how they make a living teaching professionals how do they respond to your approach of the systemic approach versus the analytical well um may i tell you a story to explain that to answer that question of course in 1950 ernest jones who wrote a book called Swinging into Golf, published in 1946. Famous. He was a mentor for some very, very famous golfers, um, Horton Smith and many others, people who went on, men and women golfers alike. So in 1950, the PGA invited him to give the keynote speech, which he gave, got a standing ovation, and he basically, well, he was giving 3,000 lessons a year. His colleagues, fellow instructors, were giving four or 500. So he was giving 3,000 to their 300, 10 times as many, because he was producing. He simplified everything. So when the keynote speech ended, the host, after the round of applause, thanked him shook his hand, and he said, unfortunately, Ernest, we will not be able to invoke any of the principles you outlined here today. Because if we did, these PGA professionals would start. Wow. So unenlightened, I send my book, I won't mention who, to a, to a, uh, person has an established website, a PGA member was produced, winners on the tour. And um, in fact, when I wrote the first book, he invited me to join his staff. Well, the second book, I sent it to him and he snubbed me, sent him a book, Ouch. never said anything about it. 
The only one who has not stuck an ice pick in this book is Justin Tang, which I sent you. Justin Tang is a um, credentialed instructor, world famous instructor. He works works in the U.S., but it's he has clinics and an academy in Singapore. He said this is the golf book of the decade. Wow. He said it would be the golf book of the decade. I won't qualify that, except it doesn't have illustrations. If it had illustrations, it would be golf book of the decade. But he said this book is phenomenal. But he said golfers who are less attuned need some illustrations. Well, here's what I say to that. I thanked him for his um, praise. And I reminded him that when um, Harvey Pinnock published The Little Red Book, um, there were no illustrations. 20 years later, the anniversary, 20th anniversary edition, they included um, illustrations. But his book had no illustrations. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't imagine you putting any in. I mean, the only, the only chapter, and they're, quick, they're short chapters, which is great, uh, is that mentions any body part is uh, basically the educated hands chapter. Everything else um, goes into other detail. But I, I think that that testimonial right there about uh, the book of the decade is a great spot to say the name of the book again is Your Inner Golf Guru, Developing the Golf Instructor Within by James Raganet, PhD. It's R-A-G-O-N-N-E-T. And I will include a link to that. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, I will include a link to that uh, in today's show notes. Thank you, James. Thank you, Fred. Great talking to you. Nice talking to you. Take care. Yeah, I hope I'm not boring you with these updates on my experience playing single-length irons from oneirongolf.com, but your messages are clearly showing interest on in how these perform. So, after the last two rounds since we spoke last week. Uh, I'm still kind of struggling with my distances on each club. I've created a spreadsheet that I put next to my uh, uh, my scorecard, and every time I pull out one of these irons, I, I, I've made columns, uh, whether I'm playing a par 3, 4, or 5, what the distance is, my, my goal, the distance that I am from the pin, which club I'm playing, and then my total yards after I've hit the club. And then I make a note if it's a chip or a bunker shot or if the wind's in my face or something. And then I give myself a grade. So here, here's, here's what I'm coming up with. Now, I, it's, I've put eight clubs between 23 degrees and 51 degrees in my bag. So far, I'm averaging 165 yards with the 23 degree and 94 yards with the 51 degree. So it should be fairly consistent and logical that every club would progress in 10-yard increments based on those numbers. But that's not been the case, although it's kind of close. Now, the four clubs on the outside, the 23 degree and the 27 degree, and then on the other end, the 47 degree and the 51 degree are pretty much there. But the big issue so far are the four clubs in the middle. Now, with this math, I should hit the 31 degree, 145 yards, but in my four rounds so far, I'm averaging under 130. The, for, the 35 degree hasn't even come out of my bag yet. And the 39 degree, which according to these numbers should be 125 yards, 
I'm not hitting it over 100 yards. Again, I must say, these clubs are beautiful, and the thicker grips are a pleasure to play. But unless I get to the consistency that I was experiencing with my Ping G irons, they won't be around forever. Just saying. But it's really fun to try out and share it with you, and I appreciate your feedback. And if you have any ideas of what to do about those four clubs in the middle, I'm happy to listen. Up next, we're going to hear once again from the wedge guy, Terry Kaler, and his latest venture into creating the perfect wedge for the non-professional golfer. We'll hear all about his new line of Edison wedges at edisonwedges.com, why wedges have lagged behind in technological advances where putters, drivers, woods, and irons have all developed significantly over the last 30 years. And he reminds us that the major club manufacturers don't design wedges for us. They're clearly designed for the professionals who can do a lot more with their clubs than we can even imagine. He's always opinionated, controversial, and very interesting, so don't miss that one next week. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions on what you'd like to hear on an upcoming interview, or maybe some suggestions on what I should be doing with my clubs, I'd love to hear from you. Use at Golf Smarter on social media, subscribe to Golf Smarter TV on YouTube, or just click on the Hey Fred button at GolfSmarter.com. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And remember, Golf Smarter listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Golf Smarter. Please visit Indeed.com slash Golf Smarter right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed here. That's Indeed.com slash Golf Smarter. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.